0: Let's pray. Father, once again, we come to you. We thank you for the privilege of being in your presence, and we acknowledge that you are here. We also acknowledge the authority you have in our lives, and also the authority of your word, especially, particularly when we are about to read your word. We ask you, Father, because of the vastness of the truth that is contained in this Thing called the Word of God, your Word, and the limitation that we have in in our, our minds have. We ask you that you will pour out your Spirit to enlighten us, but more than that, Father, to touch every part of our being, our emotion, our hearts, our minds, everything that we are, with your truth, because it is the only thing that will transform us, will change us, so that we become people more and more like Jesus. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you would like to go to First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to start from verse 10. One thing, how many of us believe that this is the word of God? All right. And how many believe that this is the Word of God for us? Good. But we have to take into consideration that this is, while it is the Word of God for us, but it is not the Word of God written to us. Can you see the difference? <laughs> it's written to the people out there. Which means when we read the word of God, we need to, to put our place in the people in that place, in that era, how did they initially receive the word of God that was given to them? Because in doing so, we put ourselves in that time and we are not in danger of reading the word of God, what we think it says, but actually we read the, the word of God as it is meant to say. Many people neglect that aspect of reading the Word of God and the result is they bring in their presupposition into the text, the Bible. Whereas when you read the Word of God, you need to understand the presupposition of the writers of the New Testament, for example. And and then you will understand it correctly. So I always say the Word of God is not going to say what you think it says, but it will say what it is meant to say. And in this situation, say, Peter, as the writer of this epistle of Peter, he, uh, his, his presupposition obviously is the Old Testament. And it's interesting because as I read, I studied the whole book of Peter, the, the language of Peter is pretty much, very much uh, Exodus language. When I say Exodus I'm not limiting to just the book of Exodus, but the narrative of Exodus, which includes Exodus, uh, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I mean, the whole story of Exodus. So having that in mind, we're going to unpack some things. Let's just read first. 1 Peter 1, verse 10. Concerning the salvation... The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would, would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke this the thing, that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Wow. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. Because of that, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you uh, you had when you lived in ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, verse 16, be holy because I am holy. That actually is a quotation from the book of Leviticus. Actually, I think in Leviticus that very sentence is repeated, I think, four times. We'll do that. We'll. I'll mention it more when we unpack this whole thing. Verse seventeen: Since you call on the Father who judges each person's work impartially, leave out your time as foreigners he in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. We are I've been going through uh, a few times here on uh, 1 Peter, and uh, it's a series in, in a way, well, actually it is a series, and the series is Building Spiritual People. Last time, uh, two weeks ago, I talked about the characteristic of spiritual people. Today, the title is Who We Are or the Identity. Or our identity as spiritual people. Our identity as spiritual people. Identity is an interesting word. It's not an easy one to, to, to tackle. If somebody asks you, who are you? I'm Brahm. No, that's your name. <laughs> yeah. So what are you? Who are you? I'm a pastor, that's what you do. (laughs) I'm a teacher, I'm a doctor. That's not really who you are, that's what you do. Brahm, yeah, that's my name. There's a common understanding that our identity or who we are is formed and established based on our birth, family background, Especially in the eastern, uh, eastern uh, countries, family is very important. Don't you forget, don't, do things like, don't you do things like that because, you know, our family name is very important, you know. Or the surrounding community that we grew up with or grew up in or the people we hang out with, you know. Especially you millennials where you hang out, which nightclub you go to, which, <laughs> and so on. Here's the thing, though. Whether we like it or not, there is a strong connection between our identity and our sense of worth. And the unfortunate reality is we, people, somehow or another, conscious or subconsciously, we draw our sense of worth from that three above-mentioned points. Not only that, From what we do, how much money we have, you know. So the result, we spend our lives, everything is about doing, rather than enjoying being who you are, you know. If only I just do this, if only I just, it's like, why can't we just enjoy being? It always has to be about doing. And we perform, we, you know, do all those things. I want to make a statement here. My worth has been predetermined by my creator. It's really that simple. I want to use an example you know this thing iphone <laughs> the biggest interruption in our lives you know the quality of this thing has been determined before even it was made somebody designed this all right it's already been been determined the quality the you know how good this thing is before it was even made or or manufactured. Already made. Now, here's the thing. Your opinion about this thing has nothing to do with the quality of it because it's been decided. I mean, you know. And your lack of ability to use the phone, you know that whole thing, the whole phrase, maximum use? There are so many apps here that I don't know which one's which only to show my lack of ability or understanding of the quality of this person is about me, not about the quality of this person, of of this phone. It even shows that, man, this phone is amazing. That I don't even understand how to use it. But we somehow being made by God. As a matter of fact, you know Jeremiah chapter... 1 verse 5. Prophet Jeremiah received a word from God. You know what God said to him? Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Wow. Before you were born, I already called you to be a prophet to the nations. Before you were formed, before you were conceived, I already knew you. So in other words, before the cons, before it's made or anything, the concept is already there. got God knew. It's powerful. Psalm one hundred thirty-nine, verse fourteen says, "We are fearfully and wonderfully made." Isn't that beautiful? Let's go back to our series about being spiritual people. What is true spirituality? What does being a spiritual person really mean? We tackled that a few weeks ago. According to the scripture, we are not, you know, the Bible, the way the Bible describes it, you and I who believe in Jesus, we are not natural people trying to be spiritual. Actually, according to the scripture, if you believe in Jesus, you are spiritual people living in a natural world. That's a good one to know. So, whereas religion is natural people trying to do or perform spiritual things, whereas natural people, that's who we are. And we tackle that with with, the the previous passage, our spirituality is not about us, it's not from us. Unlike like I said, unlike the Jews, unlike the Eastern religion, they, they try to do things to be spiritual. Whereas whereas according to Peter, according to the Bible, that our spirituality is because God chose us. Divine election. First Peter chapter one, verse one. And first Peter chapter one, verse three. Through our spiritual birth, being born again. Matter of fact, Peter, Peter, the way Peter described it, we are, born, we are born again or being born again into a living hope. So, not only that, you know, our past determines who we are, but actually, according to the Bible, our identity is actually formed by what happened historically, but also our future hope. Very powerful. And also, we discovered that our identity is established by you know, in us, like the whole threefold, the whole Trinity—Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit—involved in our, in developing our identity. The Father that chose us according to His foreknowledge—that's what the Bible says—and the Son's assure that that happens through His obedience on the cross. And guess what? We still have to live now. and It is the Holy Spirit that makes sure that as we live our life now, He will make sure that He will live it out through us. So all these points that I just mentioned, you can write it down about who you are. You can, you can say, I am divinely elected. That's who you are. I am divinely chosen, elected. I am born again. And I I explain born again means I'm born of a different kind, born into the kingdom of God. The next thing is it takes Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to make me who I am. (laughs) Let's go back to the passage that we just read. Now, this passage really taking further our, our, the description of who we are, our identity and our worth. So, uh, in the context, the, the previous passage in verse 9, when Peter, after pointing the, the, to the readers and, about who they are and people, Peter commending them for their enduring faith, And, you know, and how they endure in the midst of trial. And then he said, the result of your endurance in faith is the salvation of your soul. The salvation of your soul. And then he said, concerning the salvation, the prophets. Now, when he said prophets, you know, he it includes everybody who prophesied about Jesus. That's including Moses, Jeremiah. Isaiah, Ezekiel, and all other prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. And in verse 12, it was revealed that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that now have been told you by those who preach the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Now, I want you to write these things down. The first point, what he was saying here, the way he said is this, all those prophets, they look to the future through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. The Holy Spirit gives them insight of what's going to happen in the future, the coming of Jesus. They studied carefully. They looked. They studied. They spent their lives looking like die, the way I would, would, would uh, describe it. All these prophets with their prophetic insight would look through the corridor of time that thousands of years later, something was going to happen. They don't know exactly what it is. They can only write down what they receive. And he, this is what Peter said. But those guys, they weren't, saving them, uh, they weren't serving themselves. They were serving you and I. Okay. Do you know what it says? What he's trying to say is this. We are more privileged than those prophets. Because they can only look from afar on what we are experiencing right now. You can write that next point. That's my identity. I am worth more than the prophets of the Old Testament. That's including Moses, Jeremiah, and all those guys put together. And that last statement, here's the thing. He said, even angels long to look to it. Even angels long to look into these things. You can write this down. I'm worth more than the angels. (laughs) That's what it says. Wow. Jesus didn't come to die for the fallen angels. He came to die for the fallen humanity. Have you ever thought of that? Lucifer fell from heaven, and was, that was the end of him. We fell from the presence of God. He died for us. Wow. Yeah. That's how much we're worth. Yeah. And we be worth more than the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. Remember uh, in uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 26, Jesus asked the disciples at the crowd, and he talked about John the Baptist. He said, "Well who do you look for talking about John the Baptist?" And then his statement was, "There's no greater man. You know, he said, "Look at a prophet." He said, Oh, greater than a prophet. He, that's what Jesus said. John chapter seven verse two, uh, Luke chapter seven verse 26. He said, "You look up for a prophet? No, this is greater than, than, than prophets." That's what Jesus said. Then he said uh, he added, there was no one greater born of a woman than this man, John. However, don't you like the however? Jesus said, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Hello? You and I are greater than the prophets. I had a talk with somebody. We're talking about our worth. Right? So this guy said, he asked me, Bram, if you, if you go to a shop and there's what? All these TVs, you know, say, say four of them. Exactly. They are exactly the same. Quality, everything, everything, the, 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 the details of the TV, everything is the same except the price. This one's $50, this one's 500 this one's 2000 this one's 10000 He asked me, which one would you choose? They're the same. <laughs> exactly the same. Which one would you choose? I said, of course they're 10000 <laughs> He said, but they're the same. Why? I said, because of the price. He said, why? Because the price indicates the value, right? Whenever people say, I'm willing to pay that much price, $10,000. In his mind, that thing is worth $10,000. Right? Let's read verse 18 here. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Are you guys getting this? When God redeemed us, He put a price on you, and your price is Jesus. Can everybody say, "I'm with Jesus"? That's what it says. Not explicitly, but that's what imp- what, what is implied. That's why, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The grace of God is free, but it's not cheap. So don't take it for granted. It is free, but it is not cheap. So now that the writer Peter move on to the next, to the next verse, from after telling them this is who they are, this is their identity. And then he said, now how do you live out that identity in your life? So, in verse 13, therefore, <laughs> I always love the therefore. Somebody said, when you read the Bible, when you see the word therefore, you need to find out what is therefore. Hmm. I mean, it's it's a good play on words, but it's handy to have. (laughs) Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. That's the NIV translation, non-inspired version translation. I'm going to read another translation. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Okay? That's the ESV. Some people call it the elect standard version. Some people call it extremely, extremely safe version. So, one is with minds that are alert and fully sober. This one is, therefore, preparing your minds for action. But there's another translation which I prefer where it says, therefore, girding up the loins of your mind. Girding up the loins, that's from ASV, the absolutely saved version. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore, girding up the loins of your mind. So, it's a... Actually, that is a literal translation from, from Greek. As I, looked, as I did my research on the Greek grammatical structure, that's what it is. So, uh, because, it, okay, this is where you bring in the context of the time. Like I said, the language is very Exodus, okay? Exodus language. So, in the time when people were wearing, they don't wear jeans, they wear robes, those guys. So, what happened is when they... In the, in the time of emergency or in a time where action is needed, they would actually pull the middle of the back of their, their rope from the bottom. Sometimes it has a hook. They will pick it up like that and then, get, and then tuck it in, your, in their belt. So they can run. They can, they can do strenuous things. So uh, that's, what they, that's what they did. So they pick it up so they can run. So that's the language taken from that culture. Now, it's the language of Exodus because the night before the deliverance of Israel out of Egypt, the Bible says in Exodus chapter twelve that they had what they call the Last Supper that we just celebrated. It's actually a, a reflection of what the Jews did when they when they left Egypt. The night before they left Egypt, they had like communion, but real meal. They had lamb. You know, uh, unblemished lamb. So they all ate. But the instruction in Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, it says, This is how you are to eat it with your cloak or with your uh, loins girded into your belt, your sandals and your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste, and it is the Lord's Passover. So, in other words, they eat, they don't just kind of, okay, let's just have dinner, but they actually eat with readiness. So my question is, why would Peter use this language and use it for the, for Israel is, for the Israelites? It was literal, but for the, for the church, it's like the loins of your mind. Why is it? I believe he learned from Israel when they got saved and God liberated them from Egypt. What's, what's the lesson that, that Peter can learn from, from, from the children of Israel? Here's the thing, I believe. You know, it took one night for God to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took him 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. One thing for God to take his people out of slavery, but another thing to get slavery out of his people. Let me put it simple. It's easy to get a person out of a prison than to get a prison out of a person is something wrong. Is everybody says thinking, thinking? <laughs> Do you know, high percentage of people who actually got, got out of jail within months go back to jail. It's true because you get them out of the jail, but jail is still in them. You need to remove jail out of them. So even though geographically the people of Israel were out of Egypt and on the way to the promised land, but because their minds are not fixed on their future, under pressure, they revert back to the past. And you hear the story as you read the story of Israel, every time they come under pressure. You know what they said to Moses? Moses, we are better off when we were in Egypt. That's what they said. And yet they were enslaved in Egypt. So here's the thing. Learning from that, guess what? Just like geographically Israel out of Egypt, but Egypt is still in them, we can reverse that. You and I can be in the world, but the world doesn't have to be in us. Come on, guys. We can be in the world geographically, but the world doesn't have to be in us. What, does, what did Jesus say? The Gospel of John, John 15, 19. You are in the world, but you are not offered. Right? Isn't that the whole message of Christianity? We are in the world, but not offered. So that's why Peter said, Let's unpack this this verse. Thirteen. Therefore, girding up the loins of your mind, be sober, and set your hope perfectly on the grace that is to be brought in unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, let me let me give you just a little tra- literal translation. If I, from Greek, straight, this is how I would translate it: After having your mind girded, and be constantly being sober or self-controlled sets your hope perfectly or fully. So there are three, three verbs here. Setting your hope is the main, the, because it's imperative. Set your hope. But before you set your hope, there are two things you need to take care of. The other two verbs. You have to have your mind being good at first. And then be sober. Anything less than that. So first step, get your mind ready. Gird up your mind. Okay? That's the first step. And after you do that, be continually, always on the position of being sober. That's present tense. Then you can set your hope. Anything less than that, it's not true hope. It's just daydreaming. Really. Anything less than that is just daydreaming. Can I have the muso, please? Muso is. The rest of the, the, the passage that we just read, I don't have time. I'll give it to you when you come back to church. Next time. How's that to hold you captive? Sort of, <laughs> hostage. <laughs> Here's the thing. What we, what we learn from here is Peter said, everything about you is set, already settled in heaven. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has settled it. Well, most of us, that's including me, We live just a little bit below what God has for us. Because there's something is going on, something is not right in the head. You know? In other words, just like this product, all the potentials are there. It's all there. We just haven't discovered it. You know, the world, people... You know, you see in the movie, in the song, I want to find myself. I want to find myself. I think rather than try to find yourself, find your creator and find out who you really are from him. He knows exactly who you are. Get to know your creator. Let him explain who you are. Develop a relationship with him and let him explain who you really are. You know the problem with the world is? I'm in it. I'm not going to apologize about this. The minute you deny the existence of the creator, because every creation, you understand, the, 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 the thing of every creation or invention, there's a purpose behind it. You know that. There's a reason why we make mobile phone. Therefore, there's a reason why you're created. So the moment... You deny the idea of creation, guess what? You lose sight of purpose. That's why people just do whatever, guess what? Well, I just do, do my best, but really, no creator, no purpose. It's crazy. God has done everything for us. I mean, we, we read from the scripture. And often, somehow, We offer excuses after excuses for not being what God really wants us to be. When we go to heaven and we say, God, you know, I don't know about this, about that. You know, I I believe God's going to say this. Okay, let me ask you this. Jesus died for me, so I've given you the name of Jesus, right? Okay. I've given you my word to guide you, okay? Okay. And I've given you the Holy Spirit. What else do you need? (laughs) Really? I can can just see what Jesus God will say to me. Whatever you're saying, Brian, I've given everything. It's sometimes us thinking, thinking, like I said, we just, and sometimes we the choices we make. And we we kind of come short with what God wants us to be. You know, the Bible says he's the okay the song we sing, the Alpha and Omega. It's a it's a, it's a saying that He is the beginning and the end. He knows our beginning, He knows our end. And most of the time, like if you read in the scripture, is that we don't live out but we don't, number one, we don't find out who we really are in God because we don't have that time that we want to spend or invest into who we really are. We don't live out the life that God really wants for us. But I'm going to pray, but I'm not going to give an invitation to the front. I'm just going to pray. As a matter of fact, I want you to just pray for another, encourage one another. And just pray, God. We we want to live out the life that you have for us. This is spiritual people. We're not. It's not about trying. It's just about surrendering to what God has given us. Is that okay with you guys? Let me just close in prayer, and after that, I want you to spend time and just encourage one another, and just pray, lay hands on one another, and pray for each other and let's be determined in this new year that's it no more excuse for me I just need to believe God and live out what God wants me to do no more excuse I'm chosen divinely elected I'm born again yeah the price that was paid for me I'm worth to Jesus (laughs) I'm worth more than the angels, I'm worth more than the Old Testament prophets. I mean, you can list all of them that I just mentioned before. And say, God, I'm willing to live out what you have for me. Let's all pray. Father, in Jesus' name, once again, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a big God and a big God wants his people to be big people not about having lots of money or that there's nothing wrong with that but it's about being big people doing great things for you thank you Jesus Lord many times we think the wrong the wrong way but we will choose to obey your word and believe in you the way you've met us Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.